Welcome to the PGA Premium Podcast. I'm Christopher Pacheco, and joining me to discuss this awesome event is Christian Drappy the Bird. He is C Drappy over on Twitter, and Colin Drewby, uh, Drewby417 over on Twitter. Guys, how are you doing today? I'm going great, Chris. Uh, uh, how about y'all? Doing good, man. At the beach for the fourth, can't complain. Uh, should be a interesting golf tournament this week. Always entertaining. I think they had that one hole where like the owner gives out like hundred dollar bills to anyone in the stands if they make a hole in one. So it's always always good fun. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the event and happy fourth of July to anyone listening. Proud to be an American today uh, and every day. Uh, but let's talk about the event, uh, the Green Beer. Classic at the old white TPC. This event was actually canceled uh, last year due to a flood, but they are back uh, this year. Uh, they reseeded and, and basically re- remade uh, the fairways and the greens uh, because the, the, the course was in really bad shape. Um, but they're back this year, and let's talk a little bit about the course. Uh, it's nearly a 7,300-yard long course. It's a par 70. There's only two par fives on the course. And very similar to last week, we have lots of short 400 to 450 par fours. Matter of fact, almost half of the holes on the course are short par fours. But however, Drewby, unlike last week, and last week it seemed like, I mean, that that event and that course played really, really tough. Tougher than personally, I, I thought. Uh, going into it, this is going to be a, a much friendlier scoring environment, right? Yeah, I mean, it definitely should be. The fairways are amongst the widest on tour the last time they, they played the course, and it sounds like most of the work they did wasn't like a redesign. It was just to recover from the flood, and you, you should definitely check out some of those pictures if you haven't seen them from last year, because the flood was pretty crazy. I mean, you can't even see like the course. It just looks like just like a river going through like the middle of the fairways, but um, I was poking around and I mean, obviously the, the winning score information is out there and, um, it's usually double digits under par, but the fairways are actually among the easiest to hit as well as like the greens. And so it, in a way, like it's super wide fairways, but, um, they're like, I was going through like the hole by hole and a lot of times the guys are forced to hit to like the same spots. And so it's not something where I think like the bombers have a massive edge. If anything, it seems like it almost like erases the driver from being like an important part of the game. And then it just like, you know, narrows it down a little bit more towards approach. And then because the greens are so easy to hit, like at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of variance just from putting, um, which is, mm-hmm. I don't know, always fun. So if the 4th of July week isn't a reason enough to reduce the amount of volume you're playing, maybe the, the putting variance that it seems like, pops up on this leaderboard might be a good good reason that makes a lot of sense and, and you know what uh drewby and cushion this field is kind of weak maybe kind of doesn't really do it justice right but patrick reed is the most expensive golfer uh around the industry i mean that that should tell you something not like patrick reed has played awful or anything off late i think he's actually pre- played uh pretty well but 
I mean, my goodness, to be the most expensive golfer, that, that should tell you a lot. Um, I think with that being said, we can, we can head into, into the plays and talk about the interesting stuff. Um, from a macro perspective, uh, I really like my build over on FanDuel. Uh, a lot. I, I, I certainly like them more than on DK, uh, I think. Um, but let's, let's start talking about the plays at the very top. Uh, we'll go from like 10,000 to all the way up to Patrick Reed, which he's 11 to over on DraftKings. Christian, I'll start with you. Um, do you have a preferred play here? I would think it would be Phil, who hasn't made a cut. Uh, at this event, but it's only been like, I don't know, he's played here like three times, I think. That's, I don't think that's a big enough sample to really deduct anything. Um, what are your thoughts here, Christian? Yeah, I think that Phil's, you know, definitely the best player on this slate by a large amount. I mean, I think there are people that would argue it's Reed, perhaps. I mean, I think the salary making people, right? Vegas clearly implies that it's Reed. Um, I think it's Phil, though. And, uh, and yeah, like, I, I think at that price, like, it's super, I think the, the three missed cuts, like, you know, do I really think that that's, like, enough information to say, like, he should be, I should significantly downgrade him on this course? Like, no, I mean, if he was shooting 80s here or something like that, then, like, that's where, that's where you're going to get, like, the significance, um, from, like, a small sample size. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, Phil's the class of this field. And then I think, like, you know, your next, your, you know, you know, you don't have that many super, super amazing players you had mentioned here. So I think Phil at that price is like a cash game kind of lock for me. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense if if you look at the names around him that are actually even more expensive than him on DK. Patrick Reed, Bill Haas, uh, Kevin Kistner, all those guys are, are more expensive. Uh, good players, but probably should not be priced over Phil. Then just below him you have Webb Simpson. And David Lingmurth, uh, at 10k, a 10k David Lingmurth. I mean, I know he has good history, core history or, or whatnot, but, uh, 10k for David Lingmurth, uh, probably a bit of a reach. Uh, Drewby, uh, do you have any thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, I thought David Lingmurth at 8,500 was a reach last week, and then I'm staring at him on, like, first place on the leaderboard for three straight days, looking at my current winning balance of zero dollars, and, uh, starting to question life, but uh, no, I mean, I, I agree. <laughs> like, I agree with, with what you're saying generally. And I think like Phil came out number one when I ran my projection model as well. Um, and I think he'll, because of like the course history, like that's kind of why he's priced down a little bit. Otherwise I thought he, he would have been the highest priced guy in the field. And then I don't know. We'll see. It's still early, but we'll see if, if people like jump on him because of the price and because he's such a good DK scorer. Or um, if people will kind of pass up on him because of the course history, but I think he's from like a pure fantasy perspective. Um, I think that he's kind of the best play in this range. The one thing that's kind of interesting about this event is like it's you know obviously at the Greenbrier Resort, and it feels like it's an event where a lot of the like older guys on tour go and like they take their families there, and it's like a and you'll you'll see that kind of come up in like the coverage, but it's like a like a family 4th of July week. And so, I don't know, there's nothing that I can't really decide how to account for that. But I think when you kind of like, you look at the leaderboard and the people who have done well here in the past, and it, it's a lot of guys who aren't, you know, household names. And 
it just makes me wonder like if different players have different motivation for this this event. But Phil's definitely my favorite guy from the range. If um, you know, if I was going to play multiple guys, I'd, I'd rather play Kevin Kisner um, probably than like Webb Simpson or David Lingworth. And I don't I don't think I want to. Um, I, I think like if I was making a bunch of teams, Patrick Reed and Bill Haas would be in the mix, but I like Kisner and Phil best at the discount. Okay, so then let's let's talk about the nine K golfers. Uh, we have a pretty interesting range of names on DraftKings on these guys. We can actually dip to, to even eighty nine hundred to include Kevin Streelman, who's been playing pretty well. Um, we have Bubba. At uh, the very top at 9,800. Then you have uh, Charles Howell the third. You have Danny Lee, Keegan Bradley, and Russell Henley. And then Tony Finau at 9,100 and 8,900 uh, on FanDuel. Um, Drewby, I think that Finau is a cash game lock. 9,100 uh, based off of the way he's been playing all season long. Um, I mean, he's he's tough to ignore in, in any format. I would say in cash games, he's a lock. In GBPs, I'm I'm definitely not going to to be underweight here. Uh, I don't know. I think I think the entire season he's been gaining shots on the field in terms of the, the shots gained uh, tee to green metric. Uh, Drewby, is he a lock for you? Uh, he's definitely a cash game lock. Um, I think he's going to be. Mega, mega popular. And this is an interesting thing. Um, you know, Christian, I know you're getting back from vacation last week, so I'm not sure how much you played last week, but I was doing ownership projections last week and kind of Brendan Steele fell in, in a similar range where I felt like he was like clearly a good value. I, I think I had him projected for like 26% ownership and I was, I was totally fine with that and felt like at kind of the, the mispricing, it was worth the play. And then when, Lock happened. He came in and he's like 40% owned and he tanks in the first day. Misses the cut. Obviously sinks like a ton of lineups and uh, it kind of like, it just like begs the question like at, you know, so if Finau was 26% owned, I would say yes, he's absolutely a lock for all my formats this week. But if he's like 40% owned, which is totally possible considering what we saw last week and considering some of the other guys in this range, um, I, I think you, you have to start to, to question like whether or not it's really worth playing a guy that high owned in golf. Yeah. Christian, what are your thoughts there? Um, cause I, I see what Drewby's saying, uh, steal, <laughs> steal in cash games last week when I was opening them up. I mean, you, you were talking about like 70% owned plus and, and a lot of the, of, of my cash games. Um, it's potentially that Finau will, will do the same, but in GPPs, are you going to be underweight or in line with the market or overweight? I mean, 40% is a lot of lineups to have a guy in, right? I think yeah. that's like really high. And I think, um, you know, it, it, we see this like quite often. I think earlier in the season, we saw like a lot of this chalk be like hitting often. And I think we've been reminded, you know, lately that, like that was the, the chalk was probably running extremely well at the beginning of the season, and I think now it's like less so. It's like well, you know, a little more reasonable. Um, and so, you know, my opinions obviously fluctuate based on a lot of things, but you know, the short term result like is sadly one thing that can fluctuate that quite a bit. 
Um, and so, yeah, I'm kind of back to believing like, yeah, someone's 40% owned, like that's like pretty insane. And like would, would imply they have to do like quite, quite well, very often to make it justified. Um, yeah. The interesting thing. So the, the like albatross projections love Fina, right? He's oh, yeah, our him. number three golfer, but we still I, like, you still only have him 36% to, to top 20 and you figure, at 9100, you're, you're able to pair him with at least one other expensive guy, maybe two. Um, but like, you probably want like a top 20 in GPP at that price tag. And so you're kind of looking at like, I don't know, 35% odds to, to T20. Maybe you say that like from a DK scoring perspective, maybe that means he's like, I don't know, 43% or so to, to yeah. finish in the top 20 on DK. And so then it's kind of, there's not a lot of value that you're eking out there if he's 40% owned, right? Yeah, exactly. Really, you can't be. I mean, the, the, the max percent you should see somebody owned, like a hard upper bound is like one minus or chance to make the cut, right? Um, and so, like, that's right because, like, the, the way the game theory should work out is that, like, if they're making the cut, if they're missing the cut more than they're, like, owned, then, like, the ratio of how much. Uh, he's in lineups that are dead versus not when he misses the cut, right? Like, does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. So you're okay, saying like, cool. like if he's the worst guy on your team and you happen to hit like the nuts with like the other five golfers, then you know he's 71 percent to make the cut. He could still be on a winning team just by making the cut. So exactly. you would definitely fade if he was 70 percent, which he won't be. But uh, it becomes like squirrelier, right? When you factor in like the payout structures of the tournaments and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't know. I think that, um, yeah, like the, like ownership seemed that they should be way more fluid. And I think that, I think that like that's been most of the rhetoric I've heard around, you know, DFS, PGA, you know, theory circles. Um, so other yeah. guys in this range, I feel like, uh, like Russell Henley mm-hmm. seems like he's underpriced as well. Not, not quite to the same degree, but it's, it's, if he's sure. like, a third of the ownership of Finau, like, you know, that's someone who can get super hot with his putter that I like as a pivot. And then it was pretty crazy last week to see Charles Howell the third. Uh, just, I know the projections were high on him and kind of knew he'd been off for a while and we got a bunch of questions and you were like, nope, I'm just sticking with the projection. Yeah. <laughs> I was nice because he came out firing. I, I didn't expect to see that, but, uh, He's obviously got priced up now, like twenty four hundred dollars above where he was last week. Yeah, after a while, I was like, "Oh man, should I, should I, should I look? Like, is is he like should be should he be projected worse? Like, I don't actually know." And I was like, "No, I'll just like I think we should let it ride. Like, he's Charles Howell. Like, I don't think he's rushing back from injury. And it's nice to see him do well, but like I could have felt very bad about that decision if um, obviously he didn't do so well." Uh, any of you guys interested in Keegan Bradley? Uh, I mean. He's been playing really well. Um, shots gained, tee to green, been really strong over his last couple of, of tournaments. I think he's made um, eight of his last ten uh, cuts. Uh, so he's been pretty consistent. Still, I mean, to pay $9,400 for Keegan from a cash game perspective, I don't think I'm there. But from a GPP perspective, I, I like the play. Uh, Drewby, what are your thoughts here? I don't, I don't love Keegan at this price. Um, when I think about, I mean, he, he's done well here in the past and he seems like a guy who, especially in this field, which doesn't have a lot of like good depth, I think 
he probably won't hurt you. He'll probably make the cut. Um, but when I think about his game, like I, I feel like his driver is one of his biggest weapons, and it seems like that edge gets reduced a little bit based on that how the course sets up. Um, and I don't know, like someone like Danny Lee, I like a little bit for tournaments, depending on where his ownership ends up landing, just because he can have like really, really explosive approach weeks, and his driver is one of his like biggest weaknesses. Um, you know, he won the tournament last time when they played in 2015. So I think he'll, he'll be somewhat popular, but it seems like it's a, a better fit uh, for Danny Lee than it is for Keegan. And I can get like Keegan-esque skills from like Graham Dillette for a thousand dollars cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That makes sense. Uh, Christian, I'm going to come back to you, but I'm going to come back to you on the AK range uh, golfers um, on DraftKings. We didn't really hit on him. So I'll include him now. Kevin Streelman, 8,900. Then you have James Hahn, uh, Jason Kokrak, uh, Sung Kang, uh, JB Holmes, uh, Delia, Jamie Lovemark, Nick Watney. Um, what are your interests here, guys? Because I think, um, Delia is a good play at 8,400. Um, I think the bird and, and his projections like him. Um, he missed a cut last week, but I don't really I'm, I'm not taking a big stance on whether a guy made the cut or not last week. Uh, last week was a totally different course and event. I don't think it's going to let into anything for this week. Christian, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I, I think that the – first of all, I love how we're on the uh, pronunciation. We're, we're staying true to brand with pronunciation. Delight <laughs> is a pretty <laughs> awesome one. That was something else. Like That really like surprised me even. Um <laughs> So I think I think that's the best play in the AK range in terms of like per per dollar like how much I think people are mispriced um, in the wrong direction or in in the playable direction. Um, I think Sean O'Hare is like reasonable in like lower eights range, but I'm not seeing like most of the value on the slate in this AK range. I think that it's really like there are some primo kind of top plays, and then like kind of the the under AK range uh, is where I think a lot of the value starts to open up. But within there, yeah, I mean, I definitely think. Um, O'Hare, what you know, J.B. Holmes at 85. I think that actually, uh, I, I like him less than projections do, um, especially given the the, the Drewby driver talk, um, because he certainly is like you know w- wins more than the average player with his driver. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I'm not like in love with this range. Drewby, do you agree uh, with that? Because I tend to agree here. Um, I don't really love it from a value perspective either. Yeah, I like, uh, I mean, I like Holmes and Dillette. I think they're the, the most mispriced and it will be interesting to see where their ownership shakes out. I imagine they end up uh, fairly popular just because you can pair like the, the mid eight range with like a bunch of the top guys and they're also kind of mispriced to odds. And so then the only thing that really matters is like how much chatter they're getting around the industry. Um, I haven't checked the FanDuel pricing, but I'm assuming that Kokrak is severely mispriced on FanDuel. And Mm -hmm. like he, he usually is, I think he's been like 5,700 every tournament that I've looked at. So if he's, if he's anywhere below like $7,000 on FanDuel, then I definitely will, will, it seems like a free square over there and his approach game's been really strong the last couple of events. And so that's another guy kind of from this range that I look at. Um, and I think those are the main things. Yeah. Uh, I like Sun King was 
he got caught in the rainstorm and his caddy forgot to bring an umbrella last week. So he was rocking the backwards hat, just getting absolutely drenched on. <laughs> and it, dude, I felt so bad for the guy because, you know, he's like a, a stroke off the lead. And then this rainstorm happens with like three holes left. He misses his birdie putt, has no umbrella, gets drenched and then like slices his next tee shot into the water. It was just like, he's gone. <laughs> it was tough. And Drewby Kokrak is 6,000 on FanDuel. So yeah, he's, so he's, he seems like a really good value there. Dude, he might be like 40% owned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, especially <laughs> the way that he's been playing lately. I mean, man, he definitely so, might garner a lot of attention. Uh, on I, don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's like a cheap guy. I don't, yeah. I don't know what you do on FanDuel when a guy is like that mispriced, but he is like 40% owned and it's Jason Kokrak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let's, let's head into the 7K range of golfers. I think. On DraftKings, there's a good amount of value here. On FanDuel, I think there are some good values here uh, as well. Um, on DraftKings, I'm not going to pronounce his last name so that Christian doesn't doesn't think we're staying on brand with the misspelling. But Xander, and I'm not going to pronounce his last name, he's been playing really well uh, of late. Jimmy Walker, a non-Christian guy, but a good value this week, I, I think. At 7,800. Ali Shenanigans. (laughs) That's the best one. Ali Shenanigans uh, at 7,400 on DraftKings. That seems like a really good value. Gary Woodland, 7,500. Maybe a little bit of Siwoo Kim in in tournaments, though I I certainly don't love it. Definitely don't like it from a cash game perspective. Um, Christian, do you like anyone from this range? I would think that you're going to be on very similar names. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I think Vidal is a good play, as you mentioned, uh, I agree with you there. I think that Gary, Gary Woodland, um, is a very sick play at that level. Um, Swaff as well at 72, um, is popping. I think that offers a ton of cap relief. Um, and yeah, I never really liked Jimmy Walker, but I think he's been, I, I've been, you know, pretty, pretty bullish on him recently. It's been, it's been interesting to see how that kind of works out. Um, Drewby, what about you? Yeah, I, I mean, I think we kind of settled in on some of the names. Um, I, I, I'm not, I, I haven't played much of Xander, and he's obviously been playing with, well and producing results, but I don't I think it's like the time has passed for me to get on, and I'm not going to jump on the ship at this point. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I like Jimmy Walker, for especially for tournaments. I feel like he's the type of guy who can get really hot with his putter, um, and so like he can make, make a ton of putts, and he's someone who loses a bunch of strokes off the tee and if that becomes less of a factor because he's kind of like short and inaccurate right now uh, <laughs> and it, it might not matter as much um and then woodland uh woodland will be interesting i think he's definitely the most mispriced on paper uh he, he just had like a baby and so you know obviously never really know how that's going to impact like someone's life and focus um and then I think Siwoo Kim's interesting. So Christian, this is a guy I've been interested in talking to you about just because it seems like when his game is on, he's, you know, the, an elite young stud who has exceptional approach games. He's obviously won the players multiple time PGA Tour winner. But when he's off, it seems like he's like DFL or he's withdrawing from the tournaments. And so how do you think about trying to project like a guy like Siwoo? Yeah, for someone who's just realized, like, a ton of variants. I mean, dude, the crazy thing about this guy 
is like if I asked you how many times he's missed a cut in 2017, like you'd probably be wrong on like what the right answer is. It's like quite high. Um, actually, yeah, you guys should guess it right now. <laughs> how many times? You... I, I mean, I'd say like seven. I, oh, Christian, wow. Christian, I cheated yeah. a little bit because I, I had already yeah. looked, so I, I'm not going to offer it, but uh, okay, let's just say a lot. <laughs> um, it's, 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 it's at least seven missed cuts and then three withdrawals. Three with, yeah. like, that's like Stensonian. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and then really the players win and they see another T13. Like, I actually, like, I'm not, I mean, I, I think he has these, like, really weird blotches of, like, playing super, super awesome. Um, and I think it could just be, like, realizing variance in weird chunks or it could be something about him. Like, I haven't really, I don't really know. I think it's very mysterious and I agree with you. Um, like, this guy is actively deceiving. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, I I think on FanDuel you get Russell Henley at seventy seven hundred and Howell seventy six hundred, Lovemark seventy three hundred. Um, I mean, the quality of golfers there at seven K is really really good. You also have Ollie at seventy two hundred there. Um, I I like building a lot of my lineups here, uh, Drewby. Do you agree on FanDuel? I, you, I, I don't think you. I don't. I don't remember if you've made any builds, but like mine had uh, a few names from this tier. I think most of the time when I've been building on FanDuel, I've been tempted to like grab at least one top guy, one cheap guy, and then like a bunch of balanced guys, just trying to like balance like upside and uh, make cut probability, but. I don't know. I'm still like so tilted from when I had like speeds when he won that tournament and got eight of eight guys through the cut and didn't cash GPPs with that lineup. <laughs> that I'm just like, you know what? If I can pick the winner in eight of eight and I make no money, like I don't even know if I want to give that site any of my money. Uh, but no, I think the seven K range is like a good way to build balance. And I think if you were like optimizing your made cut probability using like the albatross odds, that would be like a range you'd hit pretty hard along with. Co-crack, and then probably one of the, like the high made cut probability guys from up top. Um, another guy I like a little bit for like DK, and I'm assuming he's going to be cheaper on FanDuel because like FanDuel seems to take like a longer term view kind of a player talent when they're building their pricing, whereas like DK is refreshing it every week based on the odds of that specific field in that tournament. So um, I don't know. Bryson DeChambeau played really well last week and has gained strokes T to green in three of his last four, and so in like a weaker field um, with like a easier course setup, I'd, I could see him being like an interesting name um, kind of in the mix in this range for tournaments. Okay. I like that one. Maybe Grayson Murray. Uh, I think he's a MAGA guy. If, if I'm yes, not, that's very true. Yeah. He's a MAGA guy, but 7,400 um, seems like a, a pretty decent tournament guy as well. Um, all right. So let's talk cheap guys. Let's talk cheap, guys. Uh, over on DraftKings, Stewart sinks six, $6,900. Uh, I think, I think he's an exceptional cash game play. Might be a lock for me from a cash game perspective. I don't, I don't think I'm locking him in tournaments, but from a cash game perspective, he'll be, uh, in my lineups. Uh, Christian, I'll start with you. Uh, what are your thoughts on sink or, any of the cheap guys uh, over on DraftKings. I think there are some in- interesting names uh, behind Sync as well. 
yeah, I think that there are plenty of guys that are super, super playable um, at really nice price tags. Um, Sink has been really, really consistent. It seems like every term when he's in, he's like doing these like, you know, T you know, T twenty six finishes or something like that. It's it's extremely his game log is really, really consistent. Um, and I feel super comfortable about him this week. Um, uh, Michael Kim at 6,700 is a name I haven't really said very often in my touting career. And I think that, um, he looks pretty good there. Um, I mean, there's just a ton of names like, like Chad Campbell, 6,900 is like pretty reasonable down here. Um, I've, I've been a JJ spawn man in my past and I think 65 here is like, it's like pretty doable. Um, so yeah, a lot, lot of a uh, lot of availability at this price range. Headlined by Sink. Yeah, and and Drewby, uh, with Sink, I mean, he he doesn't have good driving accuracy. Um, he hits a lot of greens though, and he scores a lot. Birdie average for the season. He's he's almost at four birdies uh, per. Um, he's ranked he's ranked twenty second in this regard. And you mentioned earlier, like you know, with the wide fairways, probably one of the easier fairways uh, on, on tour. Um, I put less emphasis on like driving accuracy, um, perhaps more on the approach and such and putting. And Sink is ranked 22nd in shots gained putting. This seems like a guy that is tailor-made for this course, right? Yeah, I mean, I think he's my favorite. Like, all things considered, kind of price... Um, you know, I think he's my favorite play on the slate. Um, and he's just been like a, just like so consistent with his approach the, the entire season, really. And he, I think, you know, as the week goes on, I, I imagine he's going to end up being more popular, but I think he's a guy that like I'll still play in, in like mid twenties ownership if that's where he ends up. Just because I think at like when we're talking about Finau at his price value, you're, you're kind of saying that you need like a top 20 out of him. But when we're talking about a 6,900 golfer, like a lot of times it's just having a guy who can get through the cut and score and make birdies and, you know, let the, you know, premium golfers or whatever um, pay off the rest of your lineup. And so like sync is the guy that I really like. Um, another guy kind of in the range uh, that I like a little bit is, is Matt Jones. Um, and then one guy that's interesting to me that as like a, a guy that won't be picked up in any projection systems. Um, and so because of that, I think it's kind of like a sub 5% owned GPP flyer is Braden Thornberry. And he has only played one tour event, um, finished in the top five of the FedEx St. Jude, but he won the most uh, events on the NCAA tournament playing for Ole Miss last year. Um, and so he's like a kind of like a young name that I think I would throw into kind of a mix as like a, a one-off flyer that I think has uh, a lot of kind of long-term potential. JJ Spawn and Michael Putnam. Uh, Christian, are you interested in, in any of those names uh, over on DK? Um, so, I mean, with, with, with Spawn, I think, um, I think uh, it's one important thing I realize is the last two events or two of the last three of his, his Three events um, he's withdrew from, and so that's definitely not pri- that that is not priced into um, the projections just because of the way with dealing with these official 
like withdrawal rounds. So um, I'm definitely lower on spawn than the projections currently are. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I think there there are kind of other 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 options I'm looking at. Um, definitely won't be in cash games. Nowhere near. Nowhere near them, despite um, how he kind of grades out. Um, but yeah, I mean, really around that range, sink sink is the target for me. Yeah, and o- over on FanDuel, Drewby, uh, Bryson fifty nine hundred, Michael Kim uh, like fifty five hundred. Yeah, fifty five hundred. Kokrak six six K, as I had mentioned. Um, even in that mid six, you get Kevin Streelman. Uh, you get uh, Xander uh, at that price tag. Um, seems like a lot of really good names uh, there in terms of the cheap guys, but I, I still would prefer like a balanced approach on FanDuel because I, I think you don't even have to go all the way up to Phil. Though I think it's it's very viable, but like you can grab Finau, uh, maybe even Danny Lee at eighty four hundred, and then like just load up on a lot of goodness in in the seven k six k range. Um, but Drewby, of the cheap guys on FanDuel, Sink won't, won't be one of them. But Michael Kim at 5,500, Christian just mentioned him. He seems interesting. Do you have any thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I think he seems interesting as well. Um, like he shows up in kind of my stats model and seems like he's, uh, you know, kind of done more from like a, a made cut percentage and top 20 percentage than most of the guys that are priced similarly to him. Um, a couple other guys, like I, I mean, I, Feel like at any time we talk about Albatross, we always end up talking about Luke List a little bit. But like 6,400 in this field does seem like a, a cheap price for him, even though his game has been off the last few events. And then um, I also like Billy Hurley the third a little bit, and so he's a guy I played some last week. Um, you know, it was his home course, but he's someone who's not good at all off the tee, but has great approach game. And so if he's not really going to be penalized for like his, his tee shots and he can kind of just hit like hybrids or three woods and stay in the fairways. Then I think he's someone at like 6,200 that, um, frees up like a ton, a ton of salary space and definitely has, you know, like a, like a one in five, you know, chance to finish inside the top 20 or so. All right, guys, we're going to be wrapping this up, but I'll get some last thoughts. From you guys, it could be anything. It could be plays, anything that you think, that you think about the event in general. Um, before we head out, uh, my last one, my last thought is I again, I really like my build on FanDuel, on DraftKings. I'm still trying to figure out what I really want to do from a cash game perspective, but I think Finau and Sync are definitely going to be in my cash game lineup. Um, I'll throw it to to Drewby first, and then Christian can can say anything he'd like as a last thought. Drewby, what what do you have for us? Uh, yeah, just I think that with the lack of depth in this field, it's a lot easier to make balanced teams. Um, it so that that's kind of my my first lean is to like start with someone like Phil, or even with other teams, you can even start like a little bit cheaper than Phil if you really if you want to and make balanced teams. There's to me, like there wasn't as much appeal, um, or at least as much comfort in playing like a, a Luke List or Michael Kim. But I also think that like as the week goes on, that will be more consensus, and it might be like one of the weeks where we see the uh, like top end of the field get kind of like passed over a little bit in favor of more balance. And so, um, as like Wednesday comes around, I'll kind of have the ownership projections, and if I think that you know the top end of the field or 
is going to be like a forgotten area, then that would still offer appeal to me in tournaments. Christian, any last thoughts for us? Um, uh, Luke List is a, is a fraud, I think, that I have to reevaluate. That's really all. <laughs> <laughs> I, so Luke List, I think, is, I don't know, he just seems like he's a guy who has kind of extreme course fits, right? Like he doesn't score well on par fours, he scores well on par fives, and he's like a, a bomber. And so I think like a lot of the tournaments he's done well at were like super long courses, right? Or maybe, maybe he's a fraud. Like Brian, yeah, Blom, Brian Blom's popping again. He seems like a Alba fraud. Yeah, exactly. He's like a fraud for sure. Um, good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff, guys. Thanks for coming on. That's going to do it for this edition of the PGA Premium Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Happy 4th, everyone. I hope you do enjoy your day. Driving down the highway, headed to the range. Gonna knock them out strong while the feeling don't pay. Got an old brown bag, big sticky on the back where the grass don't grow. Gonna take a few hacks. That place for you.